Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode in my podcast series, Did It Anyway. Um, tonight, I am uh, really blessed to be sitting with a beautiful friend of mine who I've known for a number of years now, and i um, really grateful that she's taken the opportunity um, to sit with me and tell her story, which is um, quite moving, um, quite awe-inspiring, to be really honest. Uh, my special guest for today's podcast is a friend of mine named Fiona Kuss. And I'm, uh, like I said, I'm really uh, grateful that she's taken the time. Um, and as you'll see, it's not long since she's had some pretty significant challenges um, sort of going through her life. So welcome, Fiona. Thank you very much, Baron. So I will refer to her as Fee as Thank we you. go through. <laughs> I don't think I've ever called you Fiona in my life. <laughs> so um, now as we go through... Um, we were chatting just before we started and how Fee always has plenty to say. So I certainly hope that is the case as we go through today. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And when we, it was funny when we first started, I said, uh, Fee, I just want to test your mic. Could you just like say something? And she went, okay. <laughs> like really quite, Fee's never been quiet in her life. <laughs> so, um, but she's going to tell a, a pretty, um, pretty amazing story today of courage, um, determination and how in the depths of horrible stuff, your perspective on life can really see you through. And it really is inspiring to me to be able to hear her story. So um, once again, really grateful to have, have you with me here today, um, Fee. So to, to get started, why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are and a bit about your family and what you do now. Okay. Well, obviously I'm married, have been for um, 25 years. Um, I've got three children and um, I'm now... I'm not going to say how old I am, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, obviously I um, had a scare August of 2018, um, which obviously you will speak to me about, and um, we'll take it from there. Oh, I would say it's a bit more of a scare, a bit more than a yeah. scare. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But um, yeah. Fee's going to take us on a journey that she had with cancer and um, is still living, and so. Yeah. It's been an emotional journey for her, obviously, and a heart-wrenching one for all of her family and her friends. And um, her courage and her positive attitude through it are dead set amazing. That's probably the only way I can describe it. And so I want to hear how she does it, right? So I want to hear how through all of that stuff she's able to keep laughing and keep <laughs> smiling because that's all she seems to ever do. <laughs> um, but it, it lifts everybody else. And so, Fee, I'm, I'm really excited to hear your story. So I want to rewind time just a little bit sure, back sure. to where I guess the story for this part of your life yep. um, really started, which was back in... Uh, June or July last year. So we're Correct, talking not yeah. that long ago. Correct. Um, yeah. So I want you to tell us what happened when you're up in Noosa. Okay. Well, obviously uh, I was in Noosa at the time and I happened to discover a lump that I didn't think too much of, to be honest. I I felt it on my breast and there's no history of cancer. I don't smoke, I don't drink, so I honestly didn't think anything of it. Um, and I actually ignored it. Um, I got home from being away on holidays and I still left it for another month and just kept on sort of checking to see if it would go away, thinking, oh, this is just a cyst, it'll go away, it'll be fine, everything will be fine. And it didn't go away. How big do you think the lump was? Was it big? It was about uh three centimetres. It was quite large. Right. Yeah, it was quite large. 
And and you mentioned to me before we started that you'd only recently been to see the oncologist only Yes. For just for, for just a checkup, yes, only a few months yes, prior. Yes, yes. I literally had been to my oncologist to have obviously a routine checkup four months prior to um, the actual diagnosis and there was absolutely nothing there. So it came quick. It went from four months prior to the date of being diagnosed to being a whopping three centimetres big and it, it you could feel it. It was dead set huge. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you thought the good idea would be to leave it and not go to the doctors? <laughs> yeah, I did actually. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I, I just I honestly did not, it didn't even enter my mind that it could be something with the C word yeah. involved. Don't even want to go there. Don't, even Don't Didn't even contemplate it. That's unreal. So, so we scoot forward a little bit and you decided it's time to go to the doctors. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, about another month passed and we were in August at this stage and I thought, this thing's not going away. Um, maybe I should do something about it. So I obviously made an appointment to see my GP and um, I went there on my own and I said, look, I just want you to check. I felt this lump. I don't think it's anything, but just ch- check it anyway. And she did, and she organised for me to have a mammogram and an ultrasound, and she also organised for me to come back within two days after that to get the results. And she also said to me at the time, make sure you bring um, your partner with you. I was like, what? I need to do that. But so I went off and I got my um, I went off and I got the um, ultrasound and the mammogram. Still not thinking anything, to be honest. Quite honest with you, thinking she's she's overreacting, basically. And so you went and had the the stuff that you need to have done, or yes. the tests you need to have done. You yes. came back. Yes, yes. And tell, talk me through what she okay. said. Okay, so that's where it gets very interesting. Um, being naive is bliss, and I certainly was naive, and I certainly that. That word just didn't even enter my mind. So it came to me as probably a much bigger shock than than I could have comprehended because um, when she said, right, you need to go and get a mammogram done now, I'm thinking, oh, okay, all right, we'll get that done. And then you need to go get an ultrasound done. I'm thinking, oh, okay, all right, well, they're just being thorough. This is good. But when she said to me to bring my husband back to the next appointment and I questioned her on that thinking, I don't need anyone else to be with me, I'm fine. And she insisted, that's when I started to panic. And I started thinking, what is going on here? Does she know something I don't know? So, of course, when I did come back to get the results, I remember specifically saying to myself, here goes. And it was like I took a deep breath, knowing that for the first time ever, I had suspicions that something was a bit sinister. And I started to panic. And and so you... She let you know in that next meeting that you went to? She let me know pretty much as soon as I – and mind you, I certainly did um, take my time to walk in that room. Yeah. Um, Phil went in first and I was just like, oh, I'm just going to stroll in real slow. Mm. But literally pretty much as soon as I walked in that room, she said to me, you have cancer. Wow. You cannot – you can't contemplate – what that means, like what that does when someone says that to you. And what was the reaction you had? Uh, I didn't believe her. Yeah. I did not believe her. And then I got this 
really hot burning sensation just go straight through my body. It was like a shock kind of sensation. And I can honestly say to you, I don't believe I heard a thing after that. So she's still talking. She's still talking. And I literally felt like I was a ghost in the room. Wow. I could not hear a word she was saying. And now I understand why she said to bring your husband in. Yeah. Because he was listening. He was listening. And I was, I was gone already. I was out that door already, mentally. Yeah. At that door. So tell me, I mean, so he heard it firsthand. Absolutely. While you were there. But Absolutely. Tell me, tell me what happened when you went home and told your kids. Oh. Oh, that's not nice. Um, well, we were going out for dinner to a friend's house that night, believe it or not when uh, we had to kind of tell them. And my son had been on camp. So I think we told, by memory, I think we told the girls first. And I, it's actually a blur to me. That part was a blur to me. But what stood out to me the most was when my husband told my son in the car because we were going into our friend's house and my husband told my son in the car and my friends didn't know and I actually had to tell them and I was watching my son through their window, their bedroom window, watching my son in the car. He told. When my husband was telling my son and I just saw his reaction and I just cried and cried. I just cried and cried. I could just see it. He, even though he was miles away, I could just see his reaction. It was not nice. It was not nice. And so the next few days you're obviously processing and I assume treatment started pretty quickly after that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Basically the day that she told me you have cancer, she had organised that afternoon for me and my husband to go straight to see the surgeon, which we did, Um, and I I got in the room. In fact, before I even got in the room, I I couldn't even – register anything that was being said to me, I was a mess. And I got in the room and I just cried and cried. And at one point she even said, do you want to reschedule this appointment? And I went, well, I don't know. Should I? I I don't know. I don't know what to do. I'm just in disbelief. But we did continue and she organised surgery for me literally a week after to remove. I had a lumpectomy. So we had to have it removed literally yeah, a week later. I had one week to register what was going on yep. and then I was into surgery for the lumpectomy. Right. And so you had you said that you fell apart at the in the in the appointment or during that process? That was um, at the surgeon's rooms, yeah. I literally just found out that morning. Yep. Um, and yeah, I she wanted to ask me all these questions and I'm thinking, I can't I can't answer this. Not ready, you know. I, 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 can't, I can't even, I don't even know cancer. What are you talking about? Yeah. So I just was not accepting. I was just, it, it, shock is a really weird thing and it does really weird things to you. Yeah. And I was in major shock. And then it just became more processed then? It, it sort of was like, you know, I'm, I've got to get the surgery. We're... Yeah, that was interesting. Um, yeah, I remember going through that part like, okay, um, I'm just going to get, this thing removed and I'm going to be okay. I still was in denial. I was in major denial. I'm like, yep, okay, I'm just going to get this thing removed. It's going to be fine. It wasn't until she mentioned to me at the appointment that it wasn't just going to be 
you having a lumpectomy, but that you're going to have to have chemotherapy for six months and radiotherapy for five weeks every day that I went, I don't want to hear anymore. I'm done. Oh, I can't register this. This is not happening. Yeah. Yeah. Now, before you, so you had your surgery, but before you started your chemo, was yes. it before that you yep. um, had appendicitis? Is that <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, so basically, but it was actually a blessing. It was a huge blessing because um, I had the lumpectomy and it's actually quite a funny story actually because I had a lumpectomy and I recovered really well from that, came home and I had my little pink little cushion to, to rest myself on and and I found that it was fine, it, the, the process was fine and I felt really like, yeah, I can do this, this is good, this is good. And um, it was going to be scheduled that I was going to have chemo a couple of weeks after and it was only about, I reckon, five days after my lumpectomy that I was at a girlfriend's 40th birthday party and that particular night I started getting pain in my back and it got quite bad to the point where uh, a friend of mine, she had some endone on her at the time, so we call it the endone party, and, uh, <laughs> and um, so she gave me some endone and I'm like, oh, yes, okay. Once that set, set in, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm ready to party again. This is great. <laughs> so I, you know, thought this is wonderful. We're going to party back at the, the hotel now. <laughs> anyway, the next day the pain came back again and it had travelled to my stomach and I'm thinking, what's going on here? I ignored it as I – you would have thought I've learnt the first time, but I ignored it. And that was on the Monday and I, I felt a bit not right. I didn't feel quite right. Um by Tuesday night, I was moaning and groaning and I never forget my husband saying to me, will you stop moaning? <laughs> and I literally had no energy to actually snap it in. I was like, I'm so sorry <laughs> because the pain was so bad. And I'm thinking something's seriously not right here. What is going on? So did you head off to the hospital? Uh, he rung the emergency, uh, what is it, the hospital? You can ring like an emergency to yeah. one of our service and they said to me, you need to get to a hospital within 12 hours. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, okay, I'll do it tomorrow. I've got, I remember on the Wednesday afternoon I was seeing my oncologist for the first time yeah. and I'm like, I'm just going to see her first. Below you, I'm seeing her first. So, and I had it in my mind that that's what I was doing. Oh, boy. So Tuesday night was hell. It, it it reached a height that of pain that I had not experienced and I'm thinking, oh, this is bad, something's seriously wrong. Okay, by Wednesday morning I said, feel okay, I really do need to go see a doctor. And I had it in my mind, I was constipated. <laughs> <laughs> so I said to the doctor, don't worry, I'm just constipated. It's really bad constipation. <laughs> And he did an examination. He says to me, you're not constipated. <laughs> he said, you have to get to hospital now. I'm like, okay, okay. And then I'm back in my mind going, no, I'm not. I'm seeing my oncologist first. <laughs> you did it, did you? I did it. I did it. I put up with it until that afternoon when I got to see the oncologist by this stage, 
I was crippled. Like I was curled over, crippled, couldn't walk, had to be wheeled in with a wheelchair. And I'm thinking this is really bad. And then I was crying and groaning in the on the bed waiting for the oncologist. She comes in, takes one look at me and she says, I'm not seeing you today. Take her straight to hospital. <laughs> so So there it is. So you, you So you've got appendicitis. Yes. After you've just had a lump removed from your breast. Didn't know about it at the time. Yeah. And so, but that, you said to me earlier that that got you away from chemo for a while. So you were like, oh, hang on, this is a little bit of a blessing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I find out when I get to the hospital, I've actually got appendicitis and they booked me in to have surgery the next morning, which I had. And when I had finished having that surgery, the surgeon came back to see me when I woke and she said to me, you are one lucky girl because you were in the 10% worst case cases of having appendicitis. Because you left it so long. I left it so long. It seems to be a pattern. For it you. is a pattern, so please learn from this. <laughs> um, yes. And uh, it had an abscess on it and it was bursting as she opened me. Oh. So it was a blessing in more ways than one. Yeah. Um, one that oh, oh, I was given a second life there. Yeah. And secondly, when I was in hospital for that week, I forgot about chemo. Yeah. I felt so happy. I was like, I was running away from this. This is fantastic. So I actually found it a blessing that I had appendicitis. Oh, I love it. Bizarrely enough. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Now, you, we've spoken at length before about it as well, and this is yeah. this is a particularly tough time for you. And we, we're laughing about it now, but yeah. at this yeah. point in time it's pretty horrible and pretty tough. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just want you to tell me, take me through a little bit of I guess what life is like at that point in time of having chemo because it's one thing getting the operation mm. which you've explained mm. oh, I felt pretty good after yeah but just yeah. tell me a little bit about what it's like yeah, just okay. on a day-to-day basis of of okay. having chemo so you've gone to have the chemo you come home how do you feel well even before that um, before they take you into chemo they actually prepare you for it now um, nobody nobody knows yet but I have a horrendous phobia of injections. So I knew it wasn't just the chemo that I had to face. I had to face this horrendous phobia that I it's unexplainable. So they knew this, so they had to prepare me for chemo before I even had treatment. So I remember I had a beautiful friend of mine who came with me to this appointment where I sat in a room and the nurse explained to me, This is what's going to happen when you start chemo and we're going to take you down to the rooms where the chemo will be performed just so that you can get yourself familiar with the setting. Well, that was enough to set me off into a state of anxiety that I've only experienced once before in my life. And she, because she asked me to walk down the hallway and I remember grabbing my girlfriend's arm and I said, I don't think I can do this. And I, as soon as I saw in the distance a chair with a drip beside it, I freaked and I put my head down and the rest of the way I walked down that long hallway that seemed forever and I had kept my head down the whole time and I could hear the voices in the room, I could see the bases of the chairs, I kept my head down and I did not look up and I was trembling and I just said, I've had enough, I want to get out of here. And they were really good, 
but they needed to prepare me for what was coming. And to this day, every single time I had to go to chemo for six months, I kept my head down until I got into that chair and then I asked them to close the screen so I couldn't see anyone else. And it was all related to the fear of injections. Wow. Mm. And so then take me through as well the, so when you have chemo, I know you get really sick or you feel pretty horrible afterwards. So tell me about what what does that look like, like when you go home? Okay. Well, they give you drugs that try to counteract that sickness so that you don't actually feel sick. Um, However, in my case, um, once again, because of the phobia of injections, I was taking drugs to calm me down, which I took one too many once, and it did make me feel sick. That made me very sick. Um, So I had to find the right dose. So they would inject me into the chest. I had to have another operation to have a port put in my chest, and they would inject you through your chest. That was horrendous for me because, once again, it was very foreign like, what are you doing putting an injection in my chest for? That was really felt foreign. So I had to experience that first. And then they put drugs into you that would counteract that sick feeling. So I didn't generally get sick from chemo. I got more sick from the drugs I was taking to keep me calm. Yeah. To even right. go through the process. Okay, right. Mm. And then, so the effects of, um, is it more the radiation that makes you lose your hair or the chemo? No, it's the chemo. It's the chemo. It's definitely and, the chemo. And so tell me about that experience. And oh. then I want to talk about the aftermath and how mm. I saw your attitude change over yeah, that period of time. Sure. But I want to know because sure. I had another friend who, mm. similar to you in that mm. sense, and she, um, that was a really tough part of it for her is losing her hair. Sure, um, sure. And so I want to know how did you respond to it and how are you still dealing with it now? Mm. Good question. Oh, Oh, okay. Um, I was very much in denial about that again. I chose to pretend it wasn't going to happen to the point where I got the biggest shock of my life when I realised that this uh, the first chemo session actually was enough to start having my wow. hair fall out. And um, and I thought, I thought it was going to happen gradually, but it was one session. And in the beginning... I had um, chemo was every three weeks. So I had my first dose of chemo and within the first week uh, my hair, I remember, was in the shower and it literally, I can tell you, like a whole handful of hair, just literally I could just pull it out from my scalp and it just fell to to the shower floor and I fell to the shower floor and cried and when I cannot believe this is happening so fast, I now it's starting to hit me. And I forgot that I left it in there because I was so terrified about what was happening that my son saw it as well. And that of course set him off and and he was he started to feel the same emotions that I felt. And the terror associated with, hang on, this actually is really real. Because I literally to this point was in denial. I was literally in denial right up until the first treatment. And even after, I was still in denial thinking, I'm going to do this, I can do this. It wasn't until my hair, the big clump came out that I went, holy crap, this is real. And how, how long did it take for all of it to fall out? 
Uh, well, it happened really quickly, I'd say, by the second treatment. Wow. By the second treatment, I looked probably 90 years old. I don't um, believe that for a second. No, truly. It, truly. Um, it, it came, I was so thin. It was so thin that I had my sister offer to shave my head because I was like, no, I'm not going to shave my head. I'm going to do this to the very last inch of hair in my in my head. But I looked so bad, I looked so old that I went, I have to, I have to do this now because it's going to emotionally kill me if I don't. So I remember I had a friend come over to my salon where I had my salon at the time at home and I said to her, I can't look at what you're doing. I have to turn my back to the mirror. I want you to do this. I want you to get this done really quick and then I want you to put a scarf over my head. I'm not to see this. I don't want to see it. And I remember her crying and kissing me on the head when she started doing it. And I remember shaking and crying in the chair going, it's got to be done, right? It's got to be done. Um, yeah. Mm. That's brutal. Mm. <laughs> That's horrible. And and what's mm. interesting to me is we were chatting before and you said that you're the only person that's seen that. Mm. You just haven't shown even Phil? No, no. I actually couldn't even look at myself in the mirror when it was done for a good two weeks after. I could only look at it from the silhouette, from the shower. You look at the silhouette and I'm like, I can't look any more than that. Wow. Mm. And this is the reality of it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and this, is the, mm-hmm. this is the thing that people don't see. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think it's it's something to think about. Like we know that breast cancer is horrible. We know that any cancer mm. is horrible, but mm. it's the stuff that people don't see. Mm. That's the tough stuff. Yeah. And yeah. and this is a this is a perfect example of that. And mm. and your courage is amazing to even tell that story. Can I tell you? Like that's I appreciate you being so so raw and so open and honest about it because that's probably even from chatting with you before. That's clearly the hardest. Mm. One of the hardest things. One of, this one whole, of the hardest. One of the hardest yeah. things mm. of the, this whole experience. Mm. So, I want to scoot forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. I remember when you were in your recovery process. So I remember, interestingly enough, I, I remember you messaging Davina on and off yep. Um, yep. over that time, my wife, and just she would tell me that how much you were struggling at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I remember. I came to your house to yep. drop off a meal. They had this really cool thing called a meal train. That's exactly it. Yep. That's amazing. It's so there, amazing. There this, amazing. So Fiona and I go to the same church and, <laughs> and there was a, a bunch of people um, at church that or whoever organised it, they yep. organised this thing called a meal train, which yep. was yep. an online system that people just plugged in their name where they wanted to come and give a meal. And so you had like meals for however many weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we came down and, and dropped off a meal one night and we chatted yes. um, for quite a while. And yes. I was I was really sort of amazed when I left that I remember calling Devanna after I left going, <laughs> she's doing awesome. Like <laughs> she's seriously doing awesome because you've just yeah. gone through this horrendous yeah. experience and still continuing to go through yes, it. Yes, yes. Uh, but I noticed a significant difference yes. in – your attitude yes. and your um, just ability to, to accept what's happening in your life and not, f- not fight for your life but mm-hmm. not fight mm-hmm. against it. And that was that was really – I had a really emotional experience with you, but yes. it was, you know, for me it was quite incredible. I want to know what changed from being completely and utterly devastated yeah. 
to the woman that I saw, which was not completely and utterly devastated at all. Uh-huh. In fact, so positive and full of life, mm-hmm. like the fear we knew before, yeah. what, what was the changing point? Okay. Okay. Um, it's pretty simple. Um, when, when I uh, had to go through the treatment, as in the chemotherapy, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It made me realise that this is way, way bigger than what I am and that I literally have no control over what is happening or what was happening at that time to me. Uh, it had spread to my nodes and um, it was a very fast-growing tumour. And I realised pretty quickly that I had no control. And I remember, I think you asked me this earlier, I remember uh, my husband and my children were at, well, Phil was at work and my children were at school and I had time to myself and I literally remember falling to my hands and knees in prayer and I basically asked the Lord for strength and courage to endure whatever it is that I had to endure that I now recognise that I cannot control this, this this thing that I couldn't even call cancer at the time, I called it this thing, was just way, way beyond my control and that I had to surrender. And I realised that at that moment was going to be a moment where I had to make a choice. I had to make a choice whether or not I was going to um, surrender to my father or was I going to surrender to this cancer and allow this bugger of a thing to, to eat me up inside? And I made a conscious choice. I was on my own and I remember I fell to my hands and knees and I prayed, I reckon, seven, eight times in the day. And I just said, okay, I know I have to make a choice here and I choose to have faith in you and I choose for you to take control of this and to give me the strength and the courage that I need to face whatever it is that lays ahead of me. And I made a promise in return that if you did this for me, that I would speak of you to whoever you thought whose heart was softened to hear my story. Wow. And so that was the moment. That was the moment. That day. That was the moment. Right. Because the, 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 it was like a huge contrast. Massive. You know, for, for you to go from where you were, not coping, falling apart. Absolutely. To this person who I would only deem as, how could I describe you in that moment? And even now, just grateful. <laughs> Absolutely. Like grateful for the experience which, totally. Isn't that fascinating? Totally. And we've discussed that a lot. Um, yes. And that is, so Fee would, has, as we talk about this and we were just, we we're just having dinner just before talking about it as well. And she actually said, don't you feel grateful? 
um, she was saying that to your husband, don't you feel grateful? Yeah. And we've had discussions and is that how you feel right now? Grateful totally. for the experience? Totally. How do you feel totally. the experience of having cancer has changed you as a person? Oh, wow. Wow. Um, wow. <laughs> I found strength and faith where I never knew it lay is probably the best way to describe this. I am so utterly grateful for this experience because, like I said, I my faith grew beyond anything I could have ever imagined. My strength grew beyond anything that I could have ever imagined. I um I proved to myself that with the Lord by my side I was capable of getting through this and I can't deny that I I love that mm. I think that's fantastic mm. And I think, you know, your, your epitome now of, I mean, you've always been cheerful and happy and <laughs> laughing and everything's a joke, and I love that. But you're, you're, you said something that was really interesting. I make a choice. Yes. Make a choice. Absolutely. Who I'm going to surrender to. Absolutely. And you made a choice not to surrender to the cancer. Correct. And I love that. You haven't let that, mm-hmm. you haven't let that horrible thing define who you are, but you've allowed that experience to change you for the positive and see the good that you can get out of it and change your heart to see the things that to be grateful for as opposed to the things that are really tough. Totally. And, and that stands out. You see that a mile away because totally. you're always smiling, you're always <laughs> laughing. And, and, and right now I have, to, I have to set the scene a little bit. Fee is still sitting here with the same wig on because the hair hasn't grown back yet. We're that raw, aren't we? So absolutely, it's, absolutely. This is not long ago. We're still, in, we're still in the process. So absolutely. So Fee, to have that, to have that um, perspective now, yeah, yeah. Um, you would imagine it's going to just get better as you go because you're still in the cut and thrust of it right absolutely now. Absolutely, still, still absolutely in it. Um, so much so that uh, I had my year, my year's mammogram um, from the date that I was diagnosed. They will give you a mammogram a year later to see uh, how things are. And, of course, <laughs> being in denial, denial again, I thought everything's going to be fine. Um, they've, they've killed that sucker. It's gone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I got a shock again because they said that it came back with two small dots on the chest again. Yep. And the surgeon said to me, I don't want you to worry, but I will be doing another mammogram in six months' time because they're unsure whether or not it's precancerous or whether it's a calcium deposit. They're unsure. So they want going to, for calcium deposit. I'm going for calcium deposit. <laughs> and even if it's not calcium deposit, I'm going to still be grateful because I've learned so much from this experience that, you know, we cannot... 
We cannot control everything barren that happens to us in this life. All we can do is be grateful for every day we have here. And I've really learnt that, that be grateful for every single day that you are here. Um, sorry, um, be grateful. And I'm actually so grateful because I look at myself and I say, I'm still here and look how old I am. There are other people that aren't here that went a lot younger, that their lives were taken from them a lot younger, a lot younger, and without their consent. And I often think those thoughts if I have self-pity for myself. And I think I'm so lucky that I've had what I've had thus far. And sure, I have no doubt I'm going to be fine. But if, if on that day the diagnosis isn't what I expected, I know what, exactly what to do. I know exactly who to turn to. I know exactly how to self-talk. I know to be grateful again. I heard, <clears throat> heard one time from a, a man actually who's passed away now. Mm-hmm. Um, he said depression and gratitude can't exist in the same heart at the same time. Correct. And Jason Hall is a, a motivational speaker that, um, that I saw one time, amazing speaker, and I love that thought. And you said we make, I made a choice, and I say we all make choices every single day to view life the way that we want to view it. Sure. I was saying to my daughter in the car today, we were talking about people that are a bit grumpy in life and people that are happy in life. Mm-hmm. And my daughter's 17. And I said, you know, Katie, I think that everything's fake around us. The only, the only life that we have is what's in our own head. And we choose the lens that we view life through sure. and whether it's good or whether it's bad. Sure. Crap stuff happens to all of us. And you're a great example of crap stuff happening. <laughs> this is crap stuff, right? Yes. Nobody likes this. No. But you're also a great example of going, all right, I experienced it. I'm yep. still experiencing it, but I'm going to look, through, look at it with a totally different view. Yep. And that's what I want us to think about today is whatever we're going through, whatever we're experiencing, what view do we have of it? And can we view it differently? Yep. Because we always can view it better yep. than what we currently view it. Absolutely. And trying to have a grateful heart and view the, find the diamond in the rough, that good part of whatever it is that you're experiencing, because there is a good bit. Absolutely. Somewhere there is something good. And if we Absolutely. search hard enough, we'll find it. Absolutely. And I totally hear what you're saying, Baron. And, you know, I can say that gratitude is so powerful. I, um, I actually, through this whole experience, I started to, I did a journal through the whole experience. I wrote a journal and then I was going to blog about my experience because I thought if I can reach somebody else who has had cancer or is going through cancer or who hasn't even been touched by cancer but knows someone who is going through cancer to give them an insight of what this is like and to and to be able to help them in a positive way, that's what I'm going to do. And I actually started a YouTube channel yep. called My Gratitude for Life 
am finding gratitude. So my my gratitude for life, finding gratitude. And I did six episodes of it and I was very raw. Some of them, some of the episodes were very raw um, and very hard to say, very hard to talk about. And then some of them were incredibly um, powerfully strong and uplifting and full of gratitude because I wanted people to know that cancer is a roller coaster. It is not all smooth sailing and it is without a doubt a choice that you make. You have to make that choice. Are you going to allow that cancer to beat you and eat you up or are you going to make that choice? I'm not going to be defined by this cancer. I'm not going to let that happen. So I started um, my YouTube channel and I found that it actually was healing me. I actually found that when I started doing this that there was more there to be healed that I was still hiding from. I was still, I guess, running away from. And when I started to speak about it out there for the world to hear, I couldn't hide from it anymore and the raw emotion came out. And those that have seen it or those that wish to view it in the future, it's incredibly raw and powerful because you can't fake what's going on here. When you're speaking and you're speaking about this journey, it comes out and I found it the most healing experience and I felt immense gratitude to be able to share with others and to hopefully reach someone else so that they know they're not alone in this journey because cancer can be an incredibly lonely journey. That's something I did experience in the early days where people don't truly understand, as you would know with your Mm. wife, when it's a serious illness, people don't really understand what this is like unless you have walked in their shoes. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you've given a really good example of some of those really crappy things today, which is great. But I would encourage everyone to have a watch of Fee's videos. They're great. They're really good. We were watching them today before you came (laughs) home. Really? Thank you. Thank you. So get on and have a look. You know, Fee, I just... I want to say thank you for being so raw and open yeah. with your story because sometimes we can only we can gloss over the edges of what the experience of cancer is. Yeah. It's crap. Yeah. It's a horrible thing mm-hmm. and and I'm just, you know, your courage is is awesome and the way you're carrying yourself um, through this process is it's awe-inspiring to be really frank. And so for me, it's been a real privilege to be able to listen to your story today. Is there any last message that you'd want to share with anyone who's listening? Yeah, yeah. I would say to anybody that has a trial, whether it's cancer or not cancer, the pain is the same. The trial may be different, but the pain is the same. And we all need to make a choice. We all have a cross to bear in this life and we all need to make a choice when that time comes as to how we're going to um, deal with it. Are we going to be a fighter? 
are we going to surrender and hand this over to the bigger force that knows so much more than us or are we going to try and fight this on our own? I know what I did and I know what worked for me because I'm just a measly, you know, one person that can't do this alone and I've learned so much from surrendering. I've learned so much about myself and I've grown so much as a human being by surrendering to the man above and trusting in him and not with my own understanding of what's going on here. So I just say to anyone out there who is going to any kind of trial, um, you've got this, you can do it. You're stronger than you think you are. And you're never, ever alone. Love it. I love it. Well, I just love your courage, Fee. I think it's awesome. Thank you. And uh, I, I second everything that Fee said. I think just <laughs> you, we all can do so much more than we think we can. Absolutely. Our bodies are stronger than we think they are. Mm-hmm. And um, I think yours is a great example of that today. So thank you so much for being on. Um, for those that uh, are new to my podcast, I'd encourage you to subscribe. We'll continue to bring these amazing stories of people and their survival and their courage and their um, never say die attitude. Um, and I'm just, I was really excited that we just had Fee's laugh um, on here today because it's infectious <laughs> and I, um, we'll bring more of that. I think, I think that's fantastic. So, um, so jump on and subscribe. Thanks again for listening guys and have an awesome day.